it's not funny. Yep. And so, that's why the hashtag say her name came about is because black women were being excluded from the conversation of black people being murdered. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. This is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And you're listening to the Snob OS Podcast, the podcast for Apple Snobs, where we talk all things Apple and then some. It's been more of the sum lately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems to keep piling on and piling on and piling on. Yeah, it's like something like every day after um, I did the show notes today. You know, things just kept popping up, popping up. And I was like, good Lord, like, when is it going to end? But in any event, how are you, sir? How is is your day going? Doing all right. Um, slow moving week this week. Uh, it's going to be a short week because uh, Friday I am off uh, for Juneteenth and uh, trying to get ready. So I'm trying to treat this in the same shape, form, and fashion that I would normally for 4th of July. So 4th of July, we'd be getting our menu ready for what we're going to put on the grill mm-hmm. and to go out to a park or go to his friend's house, you know, trying to get all those plans together, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we would normally do for 4th, oh, you know, fireworks and, you know, all that stuff. So that's all the stuff we would normally do for 4th of July. So I'm going to, I'm making a conscious effort to do that same sort of prep and planning for Juneteenth because previously, you know, I'll put myself on the grill, mm-hmm. <laughs> lack of a better term, and say, you know, past Juneteenths, you know, I share links on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, mm-hmm. you know, I make sure I understand what's going on. And that's about it, you know. Um, so this year it seems like it's more of a significance. You know, you see a lot of, uh, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit last week, you know, how more and more and more and more companies are starting to recognize Juneteenth and people are starting to know about it, which is a double edged sword because it's like, yay, you're learning about it. But it's like that's American history. Why don't you already know? And then, you know, you somebody in my uh, Facebook friend brought up the idea of Cinco de Mayo. Right. Mm-hmm. So every, you know, 5th of May. You know, people celebrate, air quotes, celebrate Cinco de Mayo. They go to bars, they drink, they wear, you know, do all the do all the things you expect regular people to do on any sort of holiday. One, they really don't know what Cinco de Mayo is about. And two, it's like you're not respecting the whole idea of it in the first place. You know, you're just using it as an excuse. So, you know, personally, you know, I want to make sure I personally put more effort into Juneteenth. And, you know, make sure people understand the importance of it. But at the same time, hopefully nobody trivializes it, you know, where it's like, oh, well, you know, you know, you got all these companies, like I mentioned before, you know, making it a official holiday. But it's like, OK, that's fine. You know, what else? Or like I said, you don't hope you hope that it's just like, oh, yeah, we're off and uh, let's go drinking, but really don't know the significance so all that to say, it starts with me. So, you know, trying to prep and plan and get ready and treat Juneteenth 
the same, if not more so than Fourth of July, just so people understand. Well, specifically my family, you know, with my kids, you know, they're getting of age where they're starting to understand things. So make sure we go through that whole process. So when they get older, they have, you know, start families, get out in the world, then, you know, that's just as important as any other holiday. Right. I was actually waiting to see if my company was going to um, (laughs) add it as a holiday because there were conversations um, with our CEO, with a certain block of uh, black people. Um, we have a, an ERG, a re- an employee resource group. And she had a meeting with them and they, you know, gave her some feedback. So I was like, oh, well, maybe, you know, that will come down the pipeline because we are doing a corporate wide moment of silence for eight minutes and 46 seconds on Friday. And so I was like, okay, so that probably means that there is not going to be a company holiday. So I told my manager today, because today is our our normal one-on-one day. And I was like, well, I was expecting, you know, something to come down. But since it's not, I'll likely be off on Friday to celebrate Juneteenth. And so when I sit my out of office, I put, you know, out of office Juneteenth holiday, just so that people would know that, yeah, this should be. A thing. So I don't know what I'm going to do just yet, but I definitely, um, you know, similar to you, I, every time Juneteenth rolls around and one of my really good friend's birthday is on the 19th as well. And, um, my, um, my little niece, her birthday is on the 19th, um, as well. So, um, you know, I always, you know, share, you know, links and, you know, and, and is, and, I'm aware of what June 19th is, but I've never really celebrated it as much as I, you know, you know, did on the 4th. So uh, me too, I'm trying to, you know, be more conscientious, especially of, 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 of the goings on, you know, this year and, 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 you know, going forward, I think that's definitely going to be a part of, of my celebration because the 4th, the actual 4th of July Independence Day was not independence for people who have our background and look like us. So, um, and I, and I see a lot of other people are doing online celebrations as well. So I have to figure out something between now and, um, Friday on what I'm going to do to, to commemorate the day and, and celebrate it. So, yeah. So, and overall, we just got a busy weekend because of course, it's Father's Day, you mm-hmm. know, so and then my daughter, uh, my middle daughter turns 10 on Monday. Mm-hmm. So I'm off Friday and Monday to celebrate all of these three special occasions for our family specifically. So we'll see, you know, since Father's Day, fathers in general kind of take L's on Father's <laughs> Day. So uh, so add it add to the. Uh, increased importance of Juneteenth in the wake of recent events, mm-hmm. you know, and then add that to my daughter's 10th birthday, which is a, uh, I guess that's a milestone birthday. You turn in double digits. Yeah. She's going to double digits. So that means yeah. she's going to fifth grade next year. Yes. She's going to fifth grade. So, so this is like her senior year of elementary school. So that is exactly, a big deal. Exactly. So normally, well, but the hope, the problem is again, um, you know, coronavirus, right? Yeah. So, you know, me and my wife kind of really talked about it a little bit last year that I was going to try to do some big Juneteenth bash. But even though Georgia's starting to open back up, we personally as a family are on still on lockdown. Yep. So 
uh, probably the most we do for all three holidays uh, or events rather are just family oriented. Mm -hmm. But like I said, just to put more effort into it. So like I said, well, I'll be pulling out all the stops on Friday. We'll see what the, the family has planned, which I'm not a big, you know, make a big whoop about for Father's Day. I just like to revel in the idea that, <laughs> you know, it's not as important as Mother's Day. But <laughs> in the end, I really don't care. As long as you, you know, leave me alone. Let me, you know, get on PlayStation all day and, you know, make me bre- breakfast and, Bring you know, breakfast. Food, let me yeah, chill. breakfast in bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm cool. So, so we'll see what the family does for Sunday. And then Monday, we have to try to do something to commemorate my daughter's 10th birthday, you know, keeping in mind all stuff going on with Corona. So, yeah. Yeah, I know, like, I, we, we meeting me and my brother, we didn't go home for Mother's Day, and um, we're likely not going to go home for Father's Day, so we've been trying to coordinate today on, you know, what to get uh, my dad, and we still have my mom's Mother's Day gift because he was supposed to actually um, meet them halfway for some, for a furniture exchange, and that didn't happen, so um, we'll be mailing gifts, you know, uh, home for, for Father's Day. And surprisingly, my, my dad normally likes clothes for like Father's Day, and he didn't request that this year. He requested something homemade sentimental. So we were pretty much at a loss. We think we came up with something. It's not quite homemade, but it has like a personal touch. So so that's uh so that's what you know we're we're planning for that. So that's what we'll be doing. So, all right, all right. So, I guess. Ooh, there was one other thing I wanted to mention um, to you that I didn't put in the notes that I saw today. Um, uh, we all know that you went to an HBCU, TSU. Um, the CEO of Netflix and his wife are donating one hundred and twenty million dollars to HBCUs. So they are giving, uh, they're splitting it three ways. They're giving $40 million to Morehouse, $40 million to Spelman, and then $40 million to the United Negro College Fund. So that's a positive. We want to maybe start, you know, try to start the show off on a positive note. So I'm not sure if you saw that or if you have any thoughts or anything. Well, I saw it. Uh, they didn't mention TSU specifically. So, you know, I got <laughs> to my little beef about that. But, you know, like you say, yeah, it's good that, you know, people are starting to put their money where their mouth is. You know, it's one thing to, you know, say we stand, you know, with we stand with you. But it's like, OK, well, we can kind of do that. You know what? What? How can you help in areas that we may be that that you can actually, you know, feel some effect, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, you know, putting money into, you know, colleges that are or putting in money behind programs that are specifically designed and catered towards the advancement of African-Americans and black Americans period, I think is a good step in the right direction. Yeah, that's definitely, I was, I was really surprised because I, uh, one of the articles that I read, they said that they originally had planned to do 20 million per, per group. And then they rethought about it and said, you know, there's, they could do more and they should do more to try and, start to at least balance out some of the inequity, um, you know, where they can. So I thought that was cool. I was like, that's, you know, that's something positive in this, you know, last week that has just been absolutely wild. I mean, even today, some more stuff, you know, popped up, but we'll talk about it a little bit later. Yeah. And I don't want to be all, you know, 
cynicky and angry, angry and, you know, y'all not doing enough, y'all not doing enough. You know, I definitely want to make sure that we do recognize, well, at the very least, I can speak for myself. I recognize that things are starting to change. You know, it's going to take a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of work, a lot of effort, you know, a lot of sacrifice in order to, you know, turn the tide of equality, justice and racism as a whole, because it's it's a lot going on. So, you know, the fact that we have to I specifically have to recognize it's not going to come in a day. It's not going to come in a week, may not come in a year, may not even come in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we may have to play the long game on this. I think a lot of people say, you know, well, you know, I don't know if we're going to talk about the show notes, but the whole dismantling of the, you know, police, oh, right? Defund the police. I didn't defund, dismantle. We can definitely talk about it. You know, that is is a goal. That's one of those ultimate goals, you know, but the way our society is built, that's that's a long game plan. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, we need to make sure, you know, not that I'm against it, you know, I'm all for it, you know, but the the things that have to be put in place prior to that part, it goes deep and it goes deep than uh, more deep than a lot of people recognize. So, you know, all that to say, all that to say that, you know, I am appreciative that we are making strides and it looks like things are changing and things are starting to move and they're starting to move fast. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we're playing the long game on some of these things as well. Right. Because I know I saw a commercial last night um, about defunding the police and it was like, you know, the lady called because someone was breaking into her home and it was like, uh, they called 911. Oh, you have to wait for customer service hours for blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is really just not helpful. And they're making it seem a lot more, you know, a, a lot more than it really is. And I think what people are, are missing is the fact that, yes, you know, all this is brought to attention by, you know, uh, the deaths and, well, not deaths, the murders of, of black women and men, um, and defunding the police is just one of those things. We have racial disparities in law enforcement. We also have racial disparities in education, which, um, we, we talked about there are racial disparities in healthcare. There's racial disparities in housing. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one thing right. that's going to solve this. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, what is it like an octopus with lots of tentacles right and lots of things that stretch out from it and it's definitely a long game because there are racial disparities across every sector that we have in our society and it's going to take significant work and significant mind change and we've already seen which we'll talk about later um how people are are not open to that change so not initially not directly you know, yeah. not, you know, I think a lot of people are the people, who, you know, in my opinion, that a lot of people who are uh, pushing back feel cornered and they feel threatened. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you, you back somebody into a corner and you threaten them, you know, their first response, what they, anybody what they perceive to be a threat. Exactly. You know, the first thing they're going to do is lash out. I mean, that's just human nature. So, you know, if we. Not to say it's not worth it, not to say it's not coming, not to say, you know, not to give anybody a break. That's just how it is, you know. Right. So you got to recognize that, you know, anybody's pushed into a corner, like you said, for what they perceive to be a threat 
you know, they're going to lash out. So that's just, yeah. that's just human nature. And it's, and it's not a short term thing. So if anybody is thinking that, you know, what there've been protests for what, maybe two or three weeks now, mm-hmm. you know, that's what the Montgomery boycott bus boycott was like, what, almost 400 days. Right. So uh, <laughs> you have to kind of put, you know, things in perspective of, and start to manage people's expectations, especially um, at new allies who are coming in and they're uh-huh. powered up and they're pumped up about it and they want to see change and they want to do things and they think it's something that they can, you know, be present about initially and then, oh, it'll it'll work itself out. No, this is, you know, some consistent work that's going to have to be done over a long stretch of time. And there have been people who have been fighting this fight, you know, for for decades and uh-huh. it's still, I mean, look at, uh, you know, Representative John Lewis, you know, he's been fighting this thing for the longest time, you know, since he was a young boy and, you know, he's now older. He's, you know, they say, you know, you're respectable. He went to college. You got to get education. He got into the um, legislative system and even still with all of, you know, what he's done and what some of the other legislators have done. We're still where we are right now. Right. We're, not, we're crawling along, crawling yeah, along, crawling along decades later. Uh-huh. So. So, yeah. So just, you know, want people, especially some new listeners that we may have, um, you know, just to, to understand. And, you know, even allies, like I said, new allies that um, it's, it's it's a long game that we're playing to make sure that everybody gets on the same playing field. Whether we'll see in our lifetime, we don't know. Yeah. But, um, you know, and, we'll and see. I- and I say that, you know, for black people, because I what I'm seeing and I'm laughing, but I'm not because I see on Facebook, you know, a lot of my black friends on Facebook, you know, they have a lot of connections that span different races. Mm-hmm. So they are frustrated, frustrated, frustrated that they their connections, whether it be white people, whether it be Asians, whatever the case may be, who are non-black. They can't understand why they just, quote unquote, don't get it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I laugh to say it's like it's it's one, it's not your job to make sure they get it yeah. Two, that energy, all that energy that you're putting, you know, just everybody, everybody can't come, which is my favorite quote. You know, there are some people going to get left behind. There are always there are always going to be people who just won't get it, whether it be via ignorance or, you know, intent, you know. So, two, you need to I would suggest taking that energy and putting it to something else. You know, it could be it could be put towards civil rights causes. It could just be put towards self-care. It could just be put more towards making sure your family is OK. You know, but all I think a lot of the effort immediately you know, since it's so visceral, since it's so fresh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of us are like, finally, 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 let me go spread the word to my people mm-hmm. who, you know, who've, who've we ha- who they've had differences with and they still can't get them the, mu- the budge. And I think a lot of our people are really, some of them are frustrated and, and you know, fatigued like, because it's yeah, exactly. exhausting. Right. So it's like, you know, you got to recognize game. And I think, you know, Yes, you do your due diligence, but at the same time, don't stress yourself out because, again, like I said, everybody can't come. Right. And you don't and you don't want to, you know, 
overwork yourself. You know, this is like we talk about, this is a marathon. This isn't a sprint. So you got to kind of pace yourself. And it's so, and, and, and I want people to recognize that it's okay to step back, step away from social media, to take a break, to watch something funny, to laugh, to, you know, find joy in things. We, if we don't find joy in things, then it's going to get to the point where people are going to be like, well, what are we fighting for? They lose the joy in just everyday things because they're so ingrained in this fight. And even boxers, they have breaks in between each round. So take a break. It's right. it's okay. Take a break. Yep. Agreed. Yep. All right. So uh, we went a little bit longer than planned on the intro so (laughs) (laughs) so let's go ahead and hop into the show let's start with the lowdown where we talk all things apple so um a big week is coming up wwdc 2020 edition starts with the keynote on monday at 10 a.m pacific time so um everything is virtual this year you know they aren't going to uh, the mothership to to have the conference. It will be all online. And so reading from uh, a 9 to 5 Mac article, um, there are a couple different ways that you can watch the keynote. You can download the developer app. You can watch it on Apple TV or you can watch it on YouTube. Okay. So it's you have a couple of different options. I think on YouTube, it allows you to um, set a reminder um, that you can notify that notifies you when it's uh, ready to start. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're they're making it as simply as possible. And I know um, they updated the um, the developer app to make it more um, interactive. You know, this time around. Normally they have where you could go and uh, listen to some of the sessions, that type of thing. But now since it's all 100% virtual, they're trying to make it um, you know easier for for folks to to tune in and listen. So we'll definitely put the link in the show notes for uh, Monday. Yeah. And um, so two things. Right. So, number one, uh, you know, like you mentioned, they're opening it up to YouTube, making it more accessible. Uh, The keynote is what's going to be the public facing event. Yes. Uh, For those who are Apple developers who have an Apple developer account. Once the keynote is over, WWDC is like a whole week or so of mm-hmm. events catered to developers, right? Yep. To where they can get get you know FaceTime with the uh, engineers and some of the other people behind app development, you know, learn the ins and outs, things of that nature. Actually, take classes, mm-hmm. you know, do the whole nine. But the keynote is what what everybody most of, can see exactly, which what most people are interested in and tune into anyway so it's kind of cool that they're making that available on youtube when you know that wasn't always the case and number two (laughs) i think it's funny apple is so rich right they have they have updated their main website to highlight wwdc and you can scroll down and do things like add it to your calendar watch previous apple events no mention of products no mention of selling anything their main website to where you go to kind of learn about products see all the stuff they've dedicated that to wwdc and watching previous events so i just thought that was funny that apple is so rich that they ain't even they don't, we even don't gotta, need you to buy nothing right now right we're not showing you anything that's for sale we just want right. you to come listen to our speeches right that, i thought that was funny <laughs> yeah so i'm definitely looking forward to what i always you know tune in and go to some of the sessions and and see some of the the fun neat stuff that uh they have available for developers. So 
I'm super excited about it and uh, ready to to dive in and see what we have uh, for for this year's WWDC, uh, first yep. ever virtual one. Because right. people love to to go to Apple Park and um, and be in the environment. Um, I haven't. I know I uh, one of my former coworkers. Um, that's his like vacation every year he goes to wwdc okay so um it um, um i i need to hit him up on linkedin to see how you know he's feeling about you know it being virtual and not being able to go when he's been going for for years so right yep so yeah but at least you know like you said um they're making it available the keynote anyway to um everybody on on youtube who wants to tune in in addition to the other, you know, avenues to watch it, but we'll definitely put the YouTube link in the show notes so you guys can definitely um, take a listen in and see what's going on. All right, all right. So let's go over to the next thing. Um, speaking of of uh, how we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, change and making sure that people are are aware of the changes and. And, and making efforts to to make you know the workplace more diverse, make education more diverse. The um, the chief diversity officer um, at Apple has left. Um, I think she left a, a week or so ago, and she they don't have a replacement for her. Um, uh, Christy Smith uh, is her name, and it's kind of a, a gaping hole. And it's very interesting that they have this big lot to fill for their head of diversity and inclusion during this particular time. Uh, and I think she's only been there about two and a half years. The person before her, um, was only there for a short amount of time. Um, I think her name was, uh, see in the article, Denise uh, Young Smith. She was only there for like six months. So I just find it very interesting that, um, at this particular point in time, Apple does not have a go-to person for the diversity and inclusion with all that's going on in, in our state of affairs in the nation right now. Yeah. Uh, so according to the story, uh, she had planned, they had planned for her to leave two months ago, which, you know, based on the timeline of everything that's going on kind of puts that before she was all planning, of the events. She was planned. It sounds like she was ready. She was going to leave before, you know, the floodgates open. Right, right. So uh, I'm not sure what, if any, does that have an impact on all the things that Apple is trying to do as far as diversity and inclusion? Uh, the story reads that they maintain a diversion and inclusion and diversity website and share regular regular updates on efforts to diversify its workforce. Um, you also mentioned that the uh, her her predecessor Denise Young Smith left after six, after six months due to diversity diversity issues um, as it relates to the makeup of Apple's executive team, you know, and um, this she's leaving in the midst of all the things that are happening. And Apple also mentioned that they um, uh, at, in the midst of them, uh, Tim Cook announcing Apple's racial equality, racial equity and justice initiative with a hundred million dollar commitment. So it's kind of like, you know, they got a lot of things going on at Apple as it relates to, you know, uh, positions and efforts as it relates to inclusion and diversity. So it'd be interesting to see how they kind of write the ship for lack of a better. Not to say it was 
wrong, but it seems like they got a lot of things in the air as it relates to diversity inclusion. So we'll have to see in the next coming months, you know, what 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 long term plans they have at Apple. Right. And I know I think one of the things the the her predecessor, Shanice Young Smith, was a, a, a black woman, Christy uh, Smith. Well, they both have the same la- uh, last name, um, is uh, a white woman. I don't think that race plays, you know, a part in that, but I'm just saying for, for them to have this type of, of, of gap at this time is, um, is very interesting. And I, I'm not sure, you know, what their overall strategy is. Um, I would assume that they are trying to to, to fill this, you know, as, as quickly as possible, but seeming that they've had two heads of, um, diversity leave within a year, within, you know, this short amount of time, both leave is, is quite interesting. And, and one of the things I was reading earlier that, uh, I don't know if it was a, a source of contention or not, or if it was just something to note previously, the diversity officer, because it is an executive position reported directly to, um, Tim Cook, but uh, Christy, when she came in, she reported to the VP of crap. I lost it. She reported she didn't retail she, and people. Yeah, she didn't report directly to the Tim CEO, Cook. which is uh, is a which is highly unusual. So, well, it depends, right? It depends on how you look at it. It depends on how active Tim Cook, him and you know, as a CEO, was in the company on the day to day seems like a diversity inclusion person would be more involved on the day to day. So maybe they figured when um, Denise Young was there and she reported directly to Tim Cook, maybe there was something lost in, you know, communication because Tim Cook is the CEO. And historically speaking, CEOs are not on the daily grind of the company. Mm -hmm. So maybe when they brought in this, the um, uh, Christy Smith Mm -hmm. and she reported to senior VP of retail and people, um, maybe that was more of a, okay, well, we'll get her under somebody who is on the daily grind as it relates to what's going on in the company. And I mean, possibly, I, and, you know, who could possibly turn, you know, things around, you know, quicker, quicker than, right. you know, the actual CEO of the company. So that makes sense. I just find it, you know, it's just interesting. It's just things to highlight. I don't think one necessarily has anything to do with the other. Um, it's just, what what I'm gathering from this is that they are looking at ways to make this whole process more beneficial for the for the people that they hire within right. maybe, into Apple and the way that they um, you know market their products to to people you know to make sure that everyone uh, is included and it is equitable and it is inclusive. And maybe they'll need this title. Maybe they just need to do the work. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But they'll probably have the title because right now that's, especially in this time frame, it's, it's a hot, it's a hot field because I know, um, I think, I don't know. Um, I saw it on Facebook earlier today. Um, the new VP of, um, uh, diversity and inclusion for NASCAR is a black guy who went to Clark so, you know, I think now people are really trying to make sure that they have the correct visuals and so that, you know, they don't get called out to make sure they're saying, see, we have a person who is, we got a black diverse. friend. 
Yeah, we had a black <laughs> friend. Some of my best friends are black. So <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. I'm not saying that's the case for NASCAR. I'm just saying that they just announced uh, this uh, this guy. I wish I had his name. I don't have yeah, they, yeah, uh, NASCAR, you know, off the subject, but not really. You know, they've made sweeping changes. They yeah. went from uh, not in allowing the, confed- the Confederate flag to driving a uh, putting up a Black Lives Matter car. You know, um, they went from now that you like you mentioned, they've hired a diversity and inclusion. You know, and there was a couple other things that they done, like in the span of a week. And it's like of all the companies NASCAR is like NASCAR leading the pack, leading the pack, which is like <laughs> wild, right? Because they aren't. I mean, if you look at the makeup of their fan base, that's so far from their fan base that you know it. It's it's a little strange, but mm-hmm. in a good way. Right. In a good way. Uh- and the guy who who quit NASCAR because they uh, they took away the the Confederate flag, they can't wave it. That quit. He got yeah. roasted because people are like, "Well, yeah, you should probably quit. You've been in thirty-two races and you've run, no- you've won none. You're right. really doing them a favor and yourself." Uh-huh. Um, so that that was kind of kind of funny, and of course there were jokes uh, that were made um, as it related to to him and him getting out of there. So he was a uh, he was on there for a hot second, and then they rolled out. Oh, I found his name, Brandon Thompson. Uh-huh. So, so cool. Hopefully, you know, I don't know when he came on. I don't know if some of these initiatives are a part of his work, but, you know. No, no, this, this dude's been here for a minute. Uh, I'm, I'm reading a story. Thompson was appointed to oversee the NASCAR Touring Series in 2016. Following NASCAR's purchase of the ARCA Racing Series, he managed the integration of the NASCAR Pro Series into the ARCA Menard Series and spearheaded the launch of competition under one banner in 2020. Thompson's leadership also contributed to the growth of NASCAR's international series and notably the NASCAR Penty series in Canada. Uh, he began his career in motorsports at National Speedway in 2003, a role he applied for through the NASCAR Diversity Internship Program. Okay. The Nashville native and 17 year industry veteran now becomes the first diversity intern graduate to join NASCAR's executive ranks as an officer. So it sounds like he's been, <laughs> he's been in it. This is, it's, he and enjoys it sounds this. Like, so right. it looks like he just and, worked his way up through the company. And it sounds like NASCAR has been in these diversity and inclusion streets. Yeah, it seems so. <laughs> Who would have thunk? We'll go NASCAR. Right. right. I know people were talking about, now we got to go watch some NASCAR. <laughs> and it's like, uh, do we have to? Someone, someone <laughs> was like, if you think baseball is boring, wait till you get a bunch of black people outside in the sun watching cars go around in a circle. <laughs> but but look at it this way, right? Think of think of um, what's the popular uh, Kentucky Derby, mm-hmm. right? Think of Kentucky Derby, but you think of like the infield. I think they call it the infield of Kentucky Derby. And they have all the parties with the oh, hats. Oh, yeah. We are, we are about some fashion. So right. if NASCAR so, can parlay that into a cultural type of event where you get to wear gear and have parties, oh, you know what they do. there like that. So, so they do. You think of all of the... So I'm not a NASCAR aficionado. Yeah, I know they do like the tailgate stuff, but I didn't realize they had something like that. No, like the infield of a NASCAR track. There are... 
so I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, oh, and yeah. like what well, blocks away from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I could walk to it, right? And every year, all of these people, you know, they got their skin burned by the sun. They've got their coolers and their family and everybody. They just pack into the infield of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And it's almost it's it's almost like an event to where you're just there and you're in the area and you're around other people and they're having a good time. I'd say maybe a good 40 percent of them are actually tuned into what's going on with the race. If they could parlay that, like you mentioned, into some sort of infield experience to where, you know, more African-Americans feel more welcome to where we can come and bring our families and have events and, you know, and have this sort of cultural thing, you know, like you said, whether it be NASCAR specific culturally or African-American cultural centric, if they could parlay that into something, you could get a lot of people coming to a NASCAR event, whether they're actually watching the race or or not. Right. Yep. Yeah, because I know, um, I think one of the only female um, technicians is is a black woman. And right. she has like some shirts now. And mm-hmm. then I think one of the drivers who's a black guy, uh, he has like some jackets. And mm-hmm. so he was posting about his jacket. She was posting about her shirts. So, you know, we love, you know, outfits Swag. and right. items. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a way to kind of pull you know, us into it and, and, and get people's attention and involvement. But I think the, the, the banning of the, the Confederate flag and the Black Lives Matter car, I think that really ingratiated, you know, NASCAR into for some black people, whereas otherwise they would be more standoffish because of the traditional, you know, essence of what we think NASCAR is. So right. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, they have all these different types of initiatives. I'm sure for women as, as well as, um, for, for black people in other races. So it's, it's good that we don't know. It's good now that we're becoming aware that they have these type of programs and have had these type of programs. They just wasn't widely talked about. So I think right. that's good. At the very least, black people love them some Ricky Bobby. So oh, yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe that maybe they could play that up somehow. But right. anyway, yeah. we digress. We are all off track, but that's okay. This our show. We can talk about what we want. All right. So um, the last Apple story that we have this week is you know you talked about earlier. Um, things are starting to reopen, especially here in Georgia and around the country. Um, Apple is opening more, um, retail stores. They are reopening about 70, over 70 stores this week in the U S and in Canada. So they are slowly, but surely, um, opening, um, up stores back in California, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Jersey, New York, and, and more. There's a list that we'll include if you're interested to see if you're local, Apple retail store is, is opening, but they are starting to, to reopen. And as of yesterday, Apple had 154 of its total 271 stores that are in the States reopened. Okay. A little bit, a little bit more than half. Yeah. It looks like, of course, Apple is implementing safety measures. Face masks are required for entry, store occupancy is limited, temperature checks are conducted, and stores are deep cleaned regularly, and social distancing measures have been put in place. So, of course, it's not just a, it's not going to be your typical, yeah, it's not going to be your typical Apple store where just people crawling over each other to talk to those. just touching and typing on things and playing around with the merchandise. Right, 
Right. So, yeah, it's going to be a slow open, but it looks like you can start to make those appointments and go back up to the Apple store if you need those products. Yep. Just be safe. Be careful. Whenever you're outside, wear a mask, even if there are people who are around you aren't wearing them, wear them. I know I was out this weekend running some errands. Um, I went and got my hair done, which I was super excited about. Um, and, you know, these same safety measures, you know, were at my hair salon, only one person at a time, you know, cleaning in between. And as I was talking to my stylist, because we both go to the same nail salon, she was telling me that, yeah, it's safe to go in there now. And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, trust me, it is. So I took a chance and went and the same checks that they have um, at Apple, they had there as well. You you had to do a face, they had to do a temperature. You can't come in the door without a mask. Um, they social distance inside. They're like the plexiglass partitions around each of the cubbies, like mm-hmm. each of the things. Right. And um, what they did, which I thought was very interesting was you had to, when you come in, you know, you have the waiver to say you haven't had, you know, this, you haven't had that. But they had at the bottom a time in um, section where you put what time you came in and they tracked that piece of paper went with you wherever you went. So they tracked who serviced you that day. So, you know, if something does happen, they'll be able to go back and pinpoint, you know, who they need to most likely reach out to, even though. Once you got up, they sprayed down your seat and all that kind of good stuff. So I was a little skeptical at first, but when I saw the full kind of picture, um, that kind of eased some of some of my fears. Um, but you just have to be dedicated to making sure that you are protected. So Right. Mm-hmm. So All right, so that's it for the lowdown. Let's head over to Second String where we talk all other tech. And we will start off this week with the PlayStation 5. I don't know if we talked about this last week or the week before where we said that, you know, they had, you know, kind of put the pause on PlayStation 5 for when they were announced, but they announced it. Um, Everybody was geeking out from what I saw all over Twitter about mostly the the Spider-Man Into the Universe game and how Chris Miles Morales' uh, fade was and mm-hmm. um and just what uh what it looks like and you know there are two different versions a digital version and the regular version the regular version has of course the the DVD slot for your game the other one is strictly there's no slot it's all uh, digital to get the games or whatever. And people seem to be really excited about it and stoked about it and all about it. I know that you are a gamer and I think you have Xbox. Yes. And um, this isn't my arena. So (laughs) thoughts on PlayStation 5. Well, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, one of the tricks that, you know, game developers and console creators do is like you mentioned the spider-man into the universe um game that they demoed is that actual playable graphics or is those cutscenes? because when you play a video game and they jump to the cutscenes, the graphics can get 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 better it's more controlled 
so they can punch up all the graphics. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, I'll just quote some of the specs, right? The uh, next-gen PS5 will have an AMD Zen 2 CPU and a custom AMD RDNA 2-based GPU, which is graphics processing unit, custom AMD chips to provide 10.28 teraflops of power using variable frequencies on both the CPU and the GPU. All that means is going to be quicker and better to better handle the graphics. So going back to my story, it'll be interesting to see actual playable graphics where you're actually playing the game, how smooth, how crystals graphics are versus how crystal graphics graphics are during the cutscenes. Like a lot of the demos, like I mentioned for the Spider-Man Miles Morales uh, views that they saw, that's kind of like cutscene, the same type of graphics you will see in a movie. So we'll see if that translate to actual playable graphics, right? Mm-hmm. So um, one of the other things you mentioned was the fact that they'll have two versions, one with a uh, DVD slot to where if you purchase um, uh, movies or games from a store, you can insert them in the slot or a digital version, which you'll have to download everything from the web, download it all to your uh, device, which uh, the SSD will be 825 gigabytes of storage and 5.5 gigabytes of uh, gigabyte, gigabits per second of performance. So the digital version without the DVD slot may be cheaper, but we'll see if that is the case. I mean, it makes sense. You know, you got less less hardware that's going into the make of the device. So you would think it would be cheaper because there's less parts, so on and so forth. Uh, finally, the PS, PS5 will support 8, 8K graphics, which will be 4K graphics at a 120 hertz refresh rate and 3D audio. So all that adds up to probably one of the best experiences ever in gaming but then you have to recognize okay in order for me to enjoy 8k graphics on this ps5 i need an 8k tv yeah and i need 8k cables like an hdmi cord you just can't plug up a regular hdmi cord so you gotta you gotta have all these extra things in order to enjoy this so it'll be interesting to see how many games out of the gate when you finally get your hands on this Will you be able to enjoy that? You know, I personally, I don't have a 4K TV in the house, let alone an 8K TV in the house. So, you know, this, you know, let's just say I went with the Xbox because the new Xbox console, Xbox Series S, X rather, was announced back in December. So now PS5, PS, you know, Sony, PS5 is coming out with their version. But even still, when both of these launch and available at stores, it'd be interesting to see how many people pick this up for the sole purpose of being able to enjoy that 8K content and how much 8K content will be available. You know, all the games going to have it. You know, if I if it's backwards compatible, how will my older games look? Work with it, you know, yeah. Right. You know, will they beef up the graphics or will it be the same graphics that I'm looking for I mean, that I'm used to? And if those same graphics that I'm used to then kind of what's the point? You know, is it just me getting a new console because a new console or do I get a new console when I can enjoy the full experience, which time will tell if everything else will be caught, caught, caught up by then. So, right. And I don't think they said when this was nope. going to be nope. um, released. And another thing they didn't mention price. However, mm-hmm. there was uh on Amazon, the price was briefly leaked, so they say. 
So it looks like, um, based on, on this leak, we'll include the, the, the link in the show notes where it talks about it, but apparently, um, Amazon, um, inadvertently, um, on, uh, it's a, uh, Amazon, it was on the French website. It was on the U S website listed the price, um, out for the, um, the digital edition 399 and the non-digital edition, the standard at 499. Yeah. That kind of falls in place of what, uh, futuristic next gen console price would be because right now you can get a PS4 or an Xbox series S for around 200, maybe $250, maybe even cheaper if if you were looking in the right spot. So about four to $500 for a next gen console sounds about right. Not including the games, not including an extra controller. If you want it, not including a, an additional hard drive. If you need to, you know, load all of your games, you know, um, that won't maybe not fit on the, the built in hard drive. So once you add that stuff up, you know, then if you go all out, and I know a friend of mine who, when the Xbox, um, the newest console Xbox, I think it is a, I can't remember what, what version it is, but when it, it became 4K compatible, you know, a friend of mine went out and bought the TV and he bought the, you know, to make everything set up. So, he so you're looking it out. So you're looking at thousands of dollars, right? Wow. So, <laughs> so we'll see again, even though it's around $400 to $500, you know, Just we'll for the see. Console. Just for the console, you got you got to take into effect into account all the other accessories in order to enjoy five hundred dollars with the console. So again, like I said, we'll see, you know, how that you know translates. Right, and also on the on this French website, it has a release date of November twentieth, which makes sense, so that it will be ready Holidays. for Black Friday. Right, they're gonna make that money back from coronavirus. So right, yeah, I, I mean, even though that you know, like you mentioned, there is no date holidays is when all this stuff comes out yeah yeah so it makes sense looking uh, in the article that we're looking at there they are saying that this is november late november is typically around the time that the that the that the consoles are released they were going back to 2013 mm-hmm. um to kind of to kind of give the dates of the same so get your holiday monies ready so you have time to get your console money ready Get your TV upgrade money. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, by that time, we'll probably have the um, over-the-ear um, AirPods. Um, yep, the AirPods, AirPods Pro. AirPods mm-hmm. Pro over mm-hmm. the ear. So, you know, they're giving you a chance to to get your money up so you can yep. be ready to, to buy all these things come holiday time. Yeah, because, you know, right now there isn't there hardly isn't a lot of 4K content. So we'll see if things like the Xbox and the Sony PlayStation get more developers, get more creators out there to make more 4K content, which will make it more um, more of an advantageous to upgrade all your equipment. And I'm assuming that Assassin's Creed Valhalla is a thing because yes. Ubisoft came out and said that it'll be ready um, for PlayStation 5 this holiday season. Mm-hmm. So... I'm assuming yeah. that's like a big thing. So again, you need ready. the content. You need the content in order to enjoy the console. And if I'm paying five hundred dollars, I don't want to play my old funky looking games on it. Right? <laughs> or the one or two games that are available. So right. I'm that pretty I don't sure. Like, right? right. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure for people, 
you know, they have to make up for Corona. So they are probably, you know, heads down trying to get this stuff out. So come holiday season, they can take advantage of, you know, people spending money, buying the new system so that they can have content ready to play. So I guess we'll see come uh, Black Friday uh, what we got. Yep. Yep. All right. So um, Google Meet, which is their um, Meet, which is their um, video conferencing um, tool, um, they announced to, was it yesterday, um, that they've uh, changed the integration on the way that um, Gmail um, on your mobile device works with Meet. So now if you have uh, Gmail, whether it's on your Android or your iOS device, um, and someone sends you the link, you can now just join right from your inbox. You don't have to go around the bin, go to the app, open it that way. You can just go straight from the link and open up your meeting invite to get your meeting started. So looks like it cuts out a little bit of extra work um, for that. And I want to say additionally, they're adding, um, after this release, they're adding um, a tab at the bottom of the screen um, that shows all of your meetings in your, your meet meetings in your Google calendar and, um, allow you to start a meeting from there as well. So for people who are deeply in the, the Gmail, uh, ecosystem, it looks like they are trying to get you guys to use meet and not go to zoom or Facebook room or whatever the case may be to use some of their native apps. So, it looks like they are trying to find a way to um, make it a bit more uh, seamless to to use your Gmail and your go to your meetings. Yeah, yeah. So it's like they, like you mentioned, they baked it into Gmail, uh, baked meet cap- capabilities in Gmail. So right. that's good. You know, another thing you won't have to use is Chrome, right? Because especially on the desktop, that is a resource hog. So the fact that you can swiftly conduct meetings on your mobile device may be a benefit versus, you know, if you get a meeting and you're on your phone, you say, oh, let me go on my computer and fire up Chrome to get into this meeting uh, that will eat up all of your resources on your computer and turn your your internal fan on. Now you can do it from your phone much seamlessly. Yep. So that's cool. Something new, something mm-hmm. that uh, helps productivity and, you know, closing the gap on some of these other, um, you know, uh, web conferencing systems that, uh, uh and making it, there. making it easier for everybody to work at home, work from home, which we already knew was the case. I mean, it was like, what y'all waiting on? <laughs> just make it, just make it easier <laughs> for people to work from home. What you waiting on? What's the hang up? <laughs> Come on, hurry up, hurry up. All right. All right. So, um, we have another article about Google. Um, it looks like they are going to start to try and cut down on the ads or wait, completely, you know, prohibit ads based on demographic information, i.e. zip codes, uh, employment, housing, credit. So, wow. It looks like they are trying to... I guess take some of the bias out of of the ads advertising that, the ads yep. that they're are sending out to people. Again, yep. Yep. following in line with some of the systematic changes um, that we talked about earlier at the top of the show. Yep, absolutely. Because if you can say, okay, I only want you know uh, 
I'll do both examples. You know, I just want white people that live in suburban areas with good credit to see this ad. You can you can advertise it that way or you can say, for example, I only want I am a predatory lender like checking the cash or, you know, check cash and I only want minorities making under thirty thousand in these areas. I only want them to see these ads. So if if, you know, the inverse for both of those, if I am a, you know, affluent African-American that's living in a suburb, you know, I'm only going to be able to see certain ads and then the inverse is true to where, you know, everybody's not seeing the same ads based solely on their location, you know, uh, where they live and their credit history, you know, so it's kind of, it's biased. I mean, you know, as an advertiser, you want to make sure you reach the people who you want as your customers. But at the same time, if we're talking about systematic, you know, bias, we're talking about systematic racism, you know, you can see how people can use that to rule out people who they don't want as customers solely based on their, you know, demographic uh, information. Solely based on the race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's again, you know, moving the needle in the right direction. You know, it's, it's small wins, small steps that eventually, you know, lead to significant change. And it's going to force these advertisers to change the way they do business. It's going to force them to, you know, and honestly, I, I would think it would make it easier for them. You don't have to craft certain messages for certain groups. Just craft your message and put it out there. That's not how this world works. I know, I know. <laughs> but in a in a perfect <laughs> utopia, it uh, it would. But right. of course, we know where we live and the time yeah. we live in. So, but in theory, you know, right. that's you know how ideal um, we would like for it to be. Yeah, I mean, if you want everybody to, you know, not to, you know, beat a dead horse or anything, but if you want people to, you know, pick them up, pick themselves up by the bootstraps, you know, if you're not giving them the content that they need in order to pick themselves up. You're not even giving them the the boots. You just give them the straps. Right. (laughs) You're not giving people the opportunity by targeting ads to people who could probably benefit the most. Right. Yep. Cool. All right. So that's it for second string. Let's head over to For the Culture, where we have lots to talk about. We're already coming up on about an hour, so we'll see what we get through and, you know, if we want to keep going with the with the conversation. Um, so the first thing that I did personally want to talk about, because it affects me, um, you know, as a Black woman, um, there's a lot of conversation around you know, the Black Lives Matter movement that is unfortunately leaving out um, Mm -hmm. Black women in this conversation who are being murdered as well. Of course, we all know Breonna Taylor, who was murdered in her home, but we also have um, Black women who are being murdered outside of the police brutality movement, but, you know, it's, it's still all relative. We Black Lives Matter, regardless of the circumstance, whether it's, you know. And regardless of the offender. Of Regardless of the offender, regardless of whether it's coming from the police, whether it's coming from, you know, other racist people, whether it's coming from black men or other men within or other people within our community. There was a huge um, uh, black uh, trans lives matter 
well, they, I think it was titled All, All Black Lives Matter, which was specifically calling out the, the injustice of the amount of black trans women and black trans men who are being murdered at an extremely high rate. We also have Nakia Crawford, who was just graduated from high school this year, driving her grandma around errands. She was at a stoplight. Somebody got out of the car, shot her, point blank in the car, and kept going. Nobody mm. knows, wait, what What happened? She was in the car right. with her grandmother, you know, um, doing errands. And then we have Toyin. Oh, God, I hope I don't butcher her last name. Salu. She um, is um, a Black Lives activist, 19. Again, um, super young. Brianna was 26. Nakia was 18. We have Toyin, who um, was 19. She was a noted um, Black Lives activist who went missing after she posted on Twitter about her sexual assault. Come to find out the guy who sexually assaulted her, a 49-year-old black man, murdered her and another uh, woman um, who was also um, a Black Lives um, activist, um, protester, a white woman, 75 years old, Mm. murdered them both. Mm. And the thing is, you don't hear about these types of situations and these murders and these injustices on black women as you do as black men. All of it's important. All of it needs to be brought to the forefront and all of it can be. We can do more than one thing at a time. If we're saying that black lives matter, all black lives matter. You don't want to prop up one gender in this movement to the detriment of another. Just last night, I had to like get off social media um, this young girl walking down the street, this guy wanted to kiss her or was trying to get her attention when she denied him, he hit her in the face with a skateboard. Uh, uh, uh. Then on the same night, someone recorded these three or four black kids, well, not kids, black men picking up a black woman, a young black woman, throwing her in a dumpster and recording it because it was funny. Yep. It's not funny. Yep. And so, that's why the hashtag say her name came about is because black women were being excluded from the conversation of black people being murdered. Yep. Yep. And, you know, it, it is ironic that there are a lot of black men out there who, you know, we are so boisterous and so audible and so loud when it comes to, you know, some of these, you know, black men who were killed by police you know, but fail to or don't want to recognize our own bias as it relates to uh, black women and how they're treated by, you know, whether it be police or ourselves, you know, and I think, you know, we do we do the Black Lives Matter movement and injustice when, you know, we'll get out and we'll, you know, uh, share all these Facebook posts and we'll go to these protests and we'll cry on TV you know, when some of our family members or friends or whomever are killed. But like you mentioned, stories like these, like Breonna Taylor, you know, Breonna Taylor, her story really didn't pick up steam until George Floyd. Black, well, until not, not just George Floyd, until black women who did not want Breonna Taylor's name to be forgotten through all of this started to speak up at 
these joy George Floyd protests mm-hmm. because now we've got this the head of the steam attention. yeah right you know now things are starting to move with George Floyd you know those officers got arrested you know things are starting to move with where we're starting to move with Ahmaud Arbery to where you know those uh, white um, the former police officer and his son who killed them they got arrested so it's like okay well now we've got this steamroll and you know let's let's bring up some of these other stories specifically brianna taylor so now everybody's starting to you know i think what her uh, case happened in kentucky so they're starting to reopen her case and then they've got some of these other cases where they're trying to look into to where there's one specific that i can think of i can't remember the lady's name but she was a police officer in new york Mm -hmm. and uh she uh her fellow white police officer was you know, applying unnecessary force to somebody they were trying to apprehend. She pulled him off of the uh, offender and she got fired. And now and she's fighting. <laughs> and it, right. So she's trying to fight to get her pension. And that story, because of the say her name, because of the black women who are refusing to allow, you know, these stories to be to go unheard. They, you know, they're starting to pick up steam. So, you know, all that to say, you know, black men specifically, because a lot of the assailants when it comes to black women, black women happen to be black men. I think we are being hypocritical when we, you know, are going through all this effort for Black Lives Matter and we're not including the, you know, the women we are supposed to be protecting and just so happens the ones that are doing the most protesting happen to be black women when it comes to these stories that a black man are getting killed by the cops or getting killed by whomever else they are the ones doing the most organizing they're the ones doing the most protesting you know but it's us that we are getting all the the attention and you know it's flat out not fair and and also be reminded that the black lives movement was created by black queer women. Right. So, and you know, in the black community, black women always go up for black men. Even if you see now, it's like, I have to protect my sons or it could have been my son, but they're completely leaving out their daughters who are marching right alongside with them. Right. And they're only focusing on, you know, the black men and not even thinking about their, their, their own daughters or Mm -hmm. sisters or whatever. And you shouldn't need a qualifier to, to make it important to, to say her name or to fight for justice. And Breonna Taylor's, um, killers still haven't been arrested. They're still in the, they're still in the police force. They're still walking around the police chief, the same because the unions, they can't fire them or do anything to them because if they did, then they would be, you know, they could be liable. They could have to, they would have to hire them back and pay them back pay and possible other damages. And I, I really did because I'm just, you know, so tired of seeing this. And I think it's some internalized, you know, patriarchy on the side of some black women who, you know, aren't speaking the name of, of women and are, are solely trying to protect the black men. I see all kinds of Facebook things talking about, I have, we have to protect our black men and, and we do black women need to be protected as well. Right. Absolutely. Yep. So that's my little spiel on that because it really was just you know, just seeing everything going on and, and, and the latest things that happened last night uh, with, you know, the last couple of people that I mentioned is just, 
you know, it's just, I, I just don't get it. And the, you know, the Twitter wars now, people are saying, you know, it's a lot of black men on Twitter saying, well, I'll only protect their, you know, essentially saying there are only certain types of black women that need to be protected. And, you know, we shouldn't be trying to be divisive um, by putting black men against black women. And people are like, no one's pitting anybody against anybody. There's enough, you know, empathy and support to go around regardless of your gender. Well, it's the same. It's the same argument, right? To where you know um, we make you know against you know white people say well, you know we can do two things at the same time. We're not we're not oppressing you by asking for equality, you know. And you, you know we need to take that same page, you know, because you know you hear the hear the thing all the time. And you know I'll admit I used to be uh, the guy that would say, well, you know, now that I now that I have daughters or now that I have a wife, you know, um, now I have to look at women, treat more women with respect. Right. When it should have been, you know, you're supposed to treat women with respect, period. You know, and now it shouldn't be now that it's at your doorstep. You now know, that, it affects that affects you, you personally. Yeah. Right. You, you should now all of a sudden have this newfound respect for women. Not to say I didn't have respect, but when my friends you know, would, you know, refer to women in some, some sort of way, you know, instead of checking them, you know, I would let it slide because, well, you know, it's not me, you know, I'm not that type of type of guy, but the fact that my silence, you know, is a, was a method or a way of, you know, disrespect in, in, in so many words, you know, yeah, and now, silence is complicit is a, right, is complicity. Right, right, and it's the same right. thing that we're telling white people now. You're not stepping up. You're not saying anything. You're letting, you know, your racist relatives say this. You wouldn't say that, but you're not saying anything to them to correct them on, you know, using that type of language. It's the exact same thing when it comes to interracial type. I think it's intraracial relations. Right. So, so yeah. So, um, more traumatic news. Um, Rayshard Brooks, Atlanta, Georgia, murdered by um, the Atlanta police for falling asleep in his car at Wendy's. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a, it's a, it's a, another typical story of it didn't have to come to this. You know, even if, you know, Rayshard Brooks resisted arrest, it didn't even have to come to that. It didn't even have to get to that point, right? Because with the details in the story... You know, the Wendy's, you know, employees called the police because there was a man blocking the driveway traffic because he was asleep in his car. Police pull up. They talk to him for like 40 minutes right. about about this incident. Right. They finally decide they're going to arrest him after talking to him 40 minutes. The whole 40 minutes, he seems compliant. He's not aggressive. He's not defiant. And him telling them that his sister him. lives you he's know, trying, in walking distance, he could walk he's, there. He's trying to talk himself out of this, you know, incident that he's found himself in. And after all of that, instead of the and this is the whole de-escalation thing, this is the whole protect and serve thing. It's like instead of those cops saying, OK, I understand you're inebriated, whatever the case may be. You failed a sobriety test, yada, 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 all that stuff. Why don't you sit in your car, call your family member. We're going to impound your car. We're going to give you a DUI ticket. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But let's let, let call call your fam call your family call your people let them come get you we'll deal with this later. No, nope, they decided to arrest him for whatever reason that we know the reason why and as a result he resisted because of course you like you said he's been talking to them for forty minutes hasn't posed any threat so of course he couldn't understand why you know I'm not going to put words I'm not going to say what I thought but what. What I think he I'm not going to put words in his head or thoughts in his head about what he was thinking in that situation. But for whatever reason, he resisted. The struggle ensued. He broke free. He grabbed one of their tasers as he was running away. It looks like he turns to point the taser at one of the officers. They shoot him three times. He later collapses and dies. Fast forward comes to find out Mm. that he after he was down after being shot officers used some more force on him one of the officers stood on him i don't know the details of that but all that to say you know it was a lot you know the 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 consensus is it was unnecessary unneeded unwarranted force because someone in the back three times right because he had a taser when clearly looking at all the videos looking at all the angles clearly he had a taser which is it threatening? Is it not threatening? Is it a is it a lethal device? Is it a not a lethal device? You know, those are all the questions that are happening. But all that to be said, you know, he's running away. He gets shot in the back while fleeing, you know, and that's all the whole question of, OK, well, was the 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 use of deadly force necessary in this in this particular scenario? According to the Atlanta police, according to the Atlanta mayor, according to the the police chief, rather. Uh, according to the district attorney, uh, yes, that was deadly force because these two men were immediately fired. Yep. And then what? Three today. days later, today they decided they decided to charge, uh, them. Con- charge them of felony murder and a bunch of other stuff that yeah, the, I've never the, the, the heard guy of. Who, the guy <laughs> who killed him got like eleven charges, and then right. the other guy he got like three. But the because thing, he's he's turned states. Uh, he they they flip he's gonna, him. He's, yeah, he's going to testify against the guy now because right. the thing is, what they're saying is he has a history of right. using excess force. Um, I think a judge even accused him of trying to bury evidence or something. Right. I was I was reading before we came on. I didn't finish the article, but he, they still let him keep his job. Even a judge after a judge says, you know, you're doing he some shady found, stuff, bro. Right. Right. So, yeah, all that to say and they go into jail, jail. Right. So that, again, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, what's the point of protesting? What's the point of rioting? What's the point of? Well, yeah. What's the point of rioting? What's the point of burning down the Wendy's? Because after this happened, the Wendy's got burnt up. Were jury still out on who actually did that? You know, you've got They're some news stories. A woman. Two particular white women. That who, have no melanin. Right. That who are it, who are allegedly. Uh, they are seeking them for questioning, but that's neither here nor there. You know, you try to, you say, well, what's the point of all this? Well, I guarantee you if Ahmaud Arbery had not have happened, if George Floyd would not have happened and this, you know, Rayshard Brooks thing happened, I guarantee you. It would have been slipped under the rug like everything else. Or it would have been dragged out. You know, they would not have uh, fired those cops. You know, the Atlanta, the Atlanta P- police chief, I can't think of Resigns. her name. Erica she, something. She resigned as a result of all this. And all that to say, you know, there is power, there is meaning behind these protests. And I guarantee you, with all the unrest that was already going on, I guarantee you, the city of Atlanta did not want 
anything else to burn. So they they decided 75, 85. They were like, look, you need to do something something. and do something now, you know, so we'll see if there's an actual conviction. But in the in the mat, in the course of three or four days, we went from a black man getting killed by the police. Those police officers getting fired. And then those police officers getting charged like that's that's unheard of. So and with felony murder, right. 11 charges. And I right. think I don't know. First of all, if the if the case supports it, they should definitely get those charges. But I don't think without the preceding murders and the preceding protests and unrest, those cops, even if they do get arrested, they don't get those types of charges. No. I think. Paul Howard, I think he just got reelected because he was up for a reelection in our primaries. They aren't, they don't want the smoke. And they're like, look, we we don't want this. Right. You know, so, you know, all these protests, you know, uh, if they keep on, they keep on going. Like you said, they're starting, like we mentioned before, with, you know, say her name, all of these other cases are starting to pop back up in the case files of these officers. surprisingly miraculously (laughs) they're Mm -hmm. starting to pop up you know so you know don't necessarily wag your finger at what's the point of these protests and even to an extent further what's the point of all the rioting things do move when the outcome could possibly be you know an entire city is set on fire and we've got precedent we've got the la riots you know we've got chicago riots we got all these other instances that have happened as a result of what we view as injustice so i don't think atlanta wants that smoke either at all right they don't want it so we have a couple of other things one of them i think we can probably get through really quickly um trump did an executive order on police reform but it was really nothing because he's saying they can still use the chokeholds if they feel threatened so which is the whole reason which is why the whole point why black people are getting murdered by police because they feel threatened so right well, at least like that's what the, they say. Right. But all they got to do is use that same line of line of reasoning to apply the chokehold still, yeah. which so, I guess my whole point was with this is why is he signing the executive order when there's already a bill in place by the, the Kente cloth crew? They're already, I mean, in, in some states it's already illegal. So I right. think it was just for show because they got nine families of of uh black men who were murdered by the police to come and talk to trump one of and, which one oh. of which she said she never was there she never went she wasn't Over? going but he, he said her name anyway and her family's name in this speech anyway i have to look up to figure out what the what person it was but it there was a lady on facebook it's like i did never go to the white house i never talked to trump but he said my uh our family's name anyway she went to the senate to congress to and according to her, you know, talk to people who would actually bring about change, who can pass the laws, so on and so forth. But according to her, he mentioned their family's name anyway as one of the families that he met. But that's neither here nor there. Right. And so I think he thought he was going to get a photo op with all these black people to say, see, I'm doing something. Okay. And um, I think a lot of the families walked out of the conversation. Um, I, I have to say I was quite disappointed with some of the follow-up that came from it from uh, Lee Merritt, who's been quite prominent with some of these families um, and representing them in their mm-hmm. police brutality cases. Some mm-hmm. of the comments that he made. Oh, really? Um, yeah. It's just, you know, he thinks he's really listening and, and trying to help. I mean, just, 
I Lee mean, Merritt thinks the president is yes, listening. Yes. And it was just, and he was, and people were calling him out on Twitter and he was doubling down. And I'm like, first of all, the person that you're representing, because he had uh, Ahmad's family there, mm-hmm. he was not killed by a police officers. He was right. not killed by the police. He was killed by three racist people who didn't think mm-hmm. he belonged there. So first mm-hmm. of all, that doesn't, his executive order wouldn't have helped your client or his family. And for you to double down on some of those things and for people calling him out and he just would, he just would not, you know, relent. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what some of these folks are thinking. You know that going there is going to be a farce. You know, going there, it's just going to be a photo op. You know that he doesn't give a dog's toe about you and what you're trying to do. He's trying to build political capital. He's trying to make himself, you know, look good as he's already said that, you know, President Obama and and Vice President Biden, you know, never did anything to stop brutality, even though they created a task force that he dismantled when he got into office. So you know what it is. And I didn't watch his speech because I can't stand to hear him talk, but apparently his speech was an ode to, you know, police officers instead of calling them to task on, on, you know, what they need to be held accountable for. We all are, are able to be held accountable, especially when we're in the wrong. And there's nothing wrong with chastising a person, particularly if you have the power to make change. And this quote unquote police reform was just a dog and pony show to go to his, you know, support, say, see, look, I like the blacks. I did something. Meanwhile, all of quote unquote, the blacks knew what it was, knew going there wasn't going to further the cause. Well, um, I'm watching, reading the story from NPR and this is Lee Merritt's response. Uh, he's was being interviewed by NPR and the person that was interviewing him, I'm just going to read his quote. Uh, the person's interviewing him says after the meeting, the president gave a speech before signing his executive order. Most of the speech was kind of a rousing endorsement of policing in America. What went through your mind when you listened to that speech? And this is Lee Merritt's response. I have to tell you, I didn't listen to the speech. I know what Trump's rhetoric is often about. It was difficult. Meet, it was a it was a difficult meeting to take in the first place. I know that he doesn't feel like there's systematic racism within our policing system. I know some of the things that we're fighting for specifically, like qualified immunity, which police officers can potentially use to shield themselves from liability and lawsuits. He had taken a position against. So the goal of this meeting really more than anything was for him to take stances like that while looking families in the face who had been killed by police misconduct without any form of justice. So those are his words. Like I said, you, you know more about the story about you know what happened in the aftermath well, after this. Well, if he this. came back with that, then great because that's not what was going on on Twitter. Uh, oh yeah, you had to. <laughs> so had to it looked like he might have cleaned happened. it up. Right. Okay. So maybe maybe this is after all of that. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe it is. Maybe that's his cleanup because they were giving him the business. The business. Huh? <laughs> they were giving it to him, 
And so, like you said, I think people I think when you, you know, you think back of, you know, Trump and his relationships with, you know, the blacks, as he calls them. Right. You know, you think of Omarosa, you know, you think of the black preachers. And I think as a result of some of those instances, I think, you know, African-Americans are tired of the photo ops and it's like, okay, well, what's the point? You know, you think of like some of the, the athletes who have won these, you know, whether it be the world series, NBA finals, you know, uh, NFL championship, you know, they are not, they're just decided when it's not even going. So what's the point? So I think that's a lot of people's, you know, idea of what's the point. And then anything to the opposite is kind of like, you know, you're just showboating, which who knows? We'll see if that's the case. But I, I look, I can't I can't knock the hustle because that's the general sentiment. So it's like, what's the point? Right. And um, Ben Crump, who is another prominent attorney, he went on on one of the morning shows and said, I never plan on going. I wasn't going to go. And my clients weren't going either. Right. So if you go back and look at some of this on this timeline, Uh um, one quote that just popped out, he says, when Kim Kardashian goes to the White House to advocate for prisoners, that's using her privilege when the families of murdered of people murdered by police do the same is viewed as pandering. Explain. Oh, well, yeah, that's a that's an argument that you maybe not want to take at this moment in time, you know, because it seems like by him saying that statement. He is using the families just as much as Kim Kardashian is using her privilege, you know, and being used. Nobody likes feeling being used. So I hope I hope that the families that he's representing, you know, have that same thought process. Well, he has a a picture. He has a picture posted on his Twitter feed that says super proud of the work done today as we move toward justice. We have a long way to go, but I'm humbled to stand with these families and so many more. So he posted a picture of all the family members that were there. So I don't, I hope what he said on NPR rings true for him. And Mm -hmm. I hope that he has rethought um, some of his, his thoughts on this, but looking at his timeline, he's showing pictures of him uh, in the white house yeah, and I think, like you said, not to cut you off, but I'm yeah. going to cut you off. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get out of not saying things and then doing the exact opposite without, at the very least, acknowledging it, right? Mm. So, um, I, like you said, I think people are tired of, black people specifically, are tired of other black people giving a giving Trump an out because we know what time it is. Yeah, we it's know like, what why, time it is. Why even bother? Yeah, and you know, yeah. you... He had to know going there. It was going to turn. It was going to turn and it wasn't going to be beneficial for the families. It may have been beneficial for him to get that extra visibility. Right. Saying that I'm representing these nine families and Mm -hmm. that helps him maybe in the long term increase his profile, get more business, whatever the case may be. But he had to know. With all that Trump has done, specifically in the last three years as president, nothing he he could do, nothing he could say, no amount of people he could take with him was going to cause Trump to do anything of significance because he's a racist, he's xenophobic, he's homophobic, he's all the isms. All the phobics. All all of it wrapped into one. 
And there is nothing that anybody can do that's going to change his mind from that because that's fundamentally who he is right? as a person. Right. Yep. Okay. So um, do you want to get into this white blessings, white privilege conversation? Um, or can you? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because I Jesus see, I see what he was trying to do. And I'll give you a, um, an ex- um, what's it called? An A something with the word, with the letter A analogy. That's the word I'm looking what, for. Do you want to give him the background on what this conversation is? Yes. Well, let me give you the analogy. Okay. Right? So the issue people are having right now with the uh, dismantle the police, right? Defund the police. Defund the police, dismantle the police, all the all the things as it relates to the police, right? A lot of people are having a problem with the word defund and dismantle because that means eradicate, get rid of, right? When, But what we're actually saying is we don't want to get rid of police, but we want to dismantle the system that the police was built on in hopes to erect or correct or resolve a lot of the issues that happen that come as a result of this system, right? So you're talking about moving all the moving more, cutting their funding and not just cutting it, di- redirecting that to more health services, all the things that you mentioned that are built into the system earlier in the show. We're talking about housing, we're talking about social services, we're talking about health, all these things that make up the environment that police are necessary for in the first place, right? So, but a lot of people are having a problem with the wording. They don't like the wording dismantle or disfund or defund the police. We need to come up with a better word, right? <laughs> so Call a lot of people, spade in my right, book, right, right. <laughs> but a lot of people are having an issue with that. So a lot of people are saying, well, if you would have just said all those things that you just said, that would sound better than, eradicate, dismantle, defund the police, right? So I take that into this next story to where this Atlanta megachurch pastor, Louis Giglio, I don't want to say Gigolo, Giglio set off a firestorm when he was talking, had a meeting, had a, I don't know if it was a church service. I don't know what was going on. It was just a conversation. It was a conversation with some other prominent, you know, Christians, you know, who was a really popular rapper and Dan Cathy, the Chick-fil-A man. Yeah. Who was an evangelical Christian. So this guy, Giglio, was supposed to be the kind of the intermediary between you would think the non-denominational. Right. He's kind of like the the in the middle between a Lecrae and this Dan Cathy person. They're kind of Dan Cathy. You, you think of an evangelical Christian and all the things that wraps up in that. And you think of Lecrae as this African-American Christian rapper and all the things that are wrapped up in that, right? And this guy's supposed to be in the middle. So he was trying to do the olive branch type the deal and say, you know, we're talking about, you know, white privilege and white privilege and white privilege. And a lot of people are kind of taking offense to that. So maybe if we used white blessing and the way he was trying to explain it was um, white privilege is a uh, not white privilege, white, the white blessing is a a something that white people have been given 
on the backs of other people. So as a result of this blessing, you are able to enjoy some of the things you enjoy today, like better schools and better places to work and all the things that come with your quote unquote privilege. If you called it a blessing, maybe the people who are positively affected by it will feel a different way because of the fact that they this blessing came on the backs of other people. So they'll be more inclined to, I don't know, correct it or fix it or whatever the point was. <laughs> so that was his that was his explanation of it was. And I see what he was trying to do, like I said, because people don't like the word white privilege is so standoffish and it puts people on their defenses. Right. So maybe if we came up with another way to say it, I don't think blessing <laughs> at all was the is it, word. That is not it, bro. Right. Because that completely made it worse. And I'll let you pick up from there. <laughs> right. So it completely made it worse. And it made it seem as if you were white, you were getting a blessing. But because you're right. black, you don't get you no cursed. blessing. <laughs> right. So and, and, and what happened in the aftermath is that... Lecrae is a black man. Giglio is a white man. Of course, Dan Cathy is a white man. So the visual, first you have the words, mm -hmm. white blessing. Right. Then you have the visual of a black man who is young and hip, supposed to be up on, you know, in the Twitters. In more the of a modern. Media, more of the modern millennial. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if he's millennial or Gen X, but in that same vein, sitting there seemingly agreeing because he's nodding his head. So, <laughs> so he came back and said that he was just processing it um, because, of course, Black Twitter attacked. Roasting. <laughs> he was on that spit, just turning and getting roasted on all sides. And so he came back in and said, you know, that he didn't, he was uncomfortable. He didn't know what to say, blah, 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 blah. And people were like, that's not good enough. And then he went on the offensive. So of course, black women, we always leading the charge. And as we talked about before, say her name, he was very defensive. Oh, really? To black women, yeah. Who were, you know, calling him on, you know, some of the things. And so he got caught up in this storm because okay. first of all you're sitting here nodding and agreeing with white blessings right then people ask you about it on twitter and then right. you get all mad and defensive he was just in a tornado in a hurricane and he just didn't no one handled this the right way and what i don't understand is why we're trying to dress things up Right. State it plain. Make right. it clear. Right. If people get offended, if people get uncomfortable, then they should be. If they get on, if they if they're uncomfortable, they should be. If they get offended, then they need to do a heart check on themselves. Right. And check where this hostility, where this anger is coming from. Why are you getting so upset with this? When everyone has explained this five ways to Sunday. Colin Kaepernick explained his kneeling thing five ways to Sunday. And all people still hear is you disrespect the military and you disrespect the flag. 
when right. he and they everybody, their mama, their daddy, their cousins, their grandma, their papa, everybody told them that's not what this is for. Right. You know, and it's just we don't have to we're past the point of dressing things up to make people comfortable. We're in the middle of the storm. Just say it straight out. Don't try and appease one side over the other because you're not going to be able to. There's Mm -hmm. no way you're going to be able to appease one group versus the other. It's not. So just make it, speak the truth, make it plain. If you receive it, thank you for your service. Thank you for your time. If you don't, then you got to take that up with the good Lord (laughs) to figure out what you need to do. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it is what it is, right? You know, you explain it. And if you don't explain it again, going back to my story, you know, everybody can't come, you know, you can, you can explain, you can dress it up until you're blue in the face. There are just some people who are just not going to get it. And you have to be, and you don't want to, but then more importantly, we have to be okay with that. You know, I think a lot of people are not, you know, black people specifically, they are not okay with trying to get somebody to understand all of the pain, the history, the struggle that goes along into your makeup. And I think in our whole society as a, as a human race, the, I just want to belong, right? I just want to be a part of something. I just want you to love me. And especially in this internet, me, 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 me world, you know, I think is getting, I hate to say it, it's getting harder and harder for us to be able to come to an agreement, even if that agreement is we disagree because it's, it's I'm right. And if I'm right, that means you have to be wrong mm-hmm. and vice versa. You know, right. even, even. There's no nuance even, to it. Right. Now, racism is wrong. I'm not saying we have to disagree on racism because that's just if you disagree to say, yeah, right. I think racism, you know, I don't you at, at the very least say I don't have the same experience that you do. So at the very least, I'm going to need more time to understand and learn or whatever the case may be, you know, but that's different than saying, OK, I'm just we're just going to agree to disagree because she, but at the same time, we. We do have to take into the in, into the effect that our society, the way it's wired, the way it's built, it's built on if it don't affect me, it don't affect me until it does. And you are not going to, you know, the same thing with, you know, like you say, going back to black men, you know, uh, aren't, aren't doing a good job of, of protecting black women. You know, it goes it, you, you put that into play to where it's like, OK, well, it doesn't affect me until it affects me. Right. And women, you know, black women specifically, you know, um, there are just some black men who are just uh, who take who take advantage of that patriarchal society to where it benefits me until it doesn't. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our whole society, the way it's wired. You know, again, I hate to be that cynic. I hate to be that guy, but it's going to take a long time for humans, the human race, to be able to get to a point to where there is respect, whether whether it be respect for your race, religion, sexuality, because a lot of the a lot of the issues in the black community as well, yeah. as it relates to you know gay, you know our LGBTQIA community. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. you know, we we haven't been able to patch that up yet as well. You know, so there's there's a lot going on. There's work to be done all the way around. No one is completely absolved of anything. There's all work that we can do on ourselves, uh, in our communities and as, you know, humanity overall that we can do that needs to be done. That's been called out, you know, numerous times. We just Mm -hmm. have to do the work, you know, behind it. And I saw, um, one of the, in one of the protests, one of the signs, it said to the effect that racism is so American that when you protested, people think you're protesting America. Right. Right. And that's going, that's going to take a lot of work. That's going to take a lot of miseducation or uneducating or what is it? Unlearning is the phrase, right? That's, it's going to take a lot and it's not going to be over Facebook and it's not going to be over Twitter. You know, it's not going to be in a WhatsApp message. It's not going to be in an Instagram story. You know, you see all of these, you know, it's not going to be in a holiday, you know, paid time off. Nope. You know, it's not going to be in a donation to, you know, enter, you know, said African-American fund here. It's going to take a, a lot of work on a personal level to, at the very least, understand the respect portion of it in order for us to move forward. And I don't know if we're at that point yet. Yeah, it's going to take, I think, it's going to take white allies or in some instances, straight non-LGBTQ allies talking to their own families. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be, I think it has to get down to that granular level of speaking directly to the people that you are in direct relation with who you know are, are are speaking and saying and doing things that you know aren't right. And right. it's going to take, you know, the boldness of people to step up and say, no, grandma, you can't say that. Right. No, mom, you can't say that. No, dad, right. that's not the right terminology. No, you can't call this person that because ABC. Because right. at the end of the day, you have to see the humanity in a person right and to be quite honest there are so many i mean i won't even say white people there are so many non-black people that don't see the humanity in black people there are so many black people who don't see the humanity in our lgbtq plus family so Mm -hmm. like i said so many so many men don't see the humanity in their fellow sisters right Uh unless they are directly you know connected to connected and it goes back to that ownership of Mm -hmm. you know i this is my whatever it it goes back to those qualifiers you have to Mm -hmm. have you have to have a qualifier to be protected and viewed as human right there shouldn't have to be any type of qualifier right so yep so yeah so that's it for for the culture for this week we talk about a lot um, and there's definitely another thing I want to talk about, but we are definitely running up against the hour 45 minutes. So we <laughs> will move on to the hookup. So we have two things, um, this week I'll, I'll talk about mine first because it's super, it's not really a tech tip. It's just, um, you know, we talked about Corona, the pandemic, and some of the fallout from that is that Hertz, the car rental company is going into bankruptcy. So they are trying to offload 
all of their inventory, you mm-hmm. know, to help their bankruptcy filing. So if you're in the market for a car, um, you may want to go to the link that we'll put in the show notes because I was looking around because I have a coupe and I've been looking for an SUV and uh, I want a luxury SUV. I didn't want to pay those luxury prices. And so now you can go on to Hertz and they have some really great deals. For example, you can get a 2020 Mercedes coupe for like $30,000. Mm-hmm. With like 10,000 miles on it. So they're trying to dump as much of their inventory as they have to reduce the amount um, that they'll owe. As with anything, do your due diligence. If you go to the link, be sure to look at all the different qualifiers, all the details to make sure that it is right for you. So. Yep, it's a Hertz is on its way. They're filing bankruptcy and. They, you know, their stock is plummeting. It's like a dollar or two. So they don't look like they are coming back from this, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just amazing how many companies are living check to check. Yep. They say we need to have six months saving, but they don't have. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, if you're in the market for a vehicle, whether it's, you know, a luxury or an economy vehicle, SUV, truck, whatever it is, they got it all. So. If you're in yep. the market, you may want to jump on this and get a get another hookup. Yep. All right, and we have something about Siri and police stops. Yeah, so if you're not familiar with the Shortcuts, Shortcuts was an app that uh, Apple initially bought. Uh, one of those startup companies that were, that I forget the name of it prior to Shortcuts. Maybe it had been Shortcuts, but anyway. I think it was called Shortcuts. Uh, Yeah, but anyway, it's an app that you can kind of use to automate some of your frequently done tasks. Like if you want to, you know, do a Siri, hey Siri, and use this command and it does this numerous tasks, whether it be turning off notifications, whether it be turning off lights, whether it be whatever the case may be. You can use this app to create these quote unquote automations, which they call them shortcuts, in order to complete these tasks. Well, one of the popular um shortcuts that has been out for a while now i want to say at least a year it's been out to where this guy created this shortcut to where you could say hey siri i'm getting pulled over and siri would uh your phone would then do these numbers of things you could send a text message to somebody who you pre-designed contact let him know you've been pulled over you can also send them your location your phone will start recording it will send a copy to the video to your iCloud or to your Dropbox. And you can go through and set up all these things to where if you are pulled over by the police in wake of all of this unrest and all of these issues as it relates to police brutality. Now, as a black man, I can use Apple. I can use Siri and I can use this shortcut in order to say, hey, Siri, I'm being pulled over. And all of these things will actually fire off with Siri in order to give you a little bit of comfort and give you a little bit of recourse as it as it relates to, you know, your interactions with the police. Right. So in order to um, set up this uh, shortcut, you have to go to shortcuts in your settings. First, you had to make sure you have the shortcuts app. I don't know if it's a default app by app. Apple or you have to go and download it, but make sure you go and have shortcuts downloaded. Once you have it downloaded, you can go into your settings and make sure you turn on being able to use shortcuts from outside of the shortcut app. 
And then you have to then go into the gallery and look for this shortcut. And then you can uh, turn it on. Once you turn it on, you'll have to then go through, like I mentioned, put in a phone number or an email to somebody who you would want to know if you're being pulled over. Put in that information if you want them to know your location and you have to set up you know, your iCloud or your Dropbox if you want that recording to automatically go to the cloud to where you can find it or your family members can find it if something were to happen to you. So like I mentioned before, this police shortcut was first created back in 2018 by a Redditor from Reddit, uh, Robert Peterson. And according to him, um, there was a statement. Oh, yeah, here's a statement. I just wanted a way for anyone to have proof of their version of their version of events in the unlikely scenario that something unexpected happens during a police interaction. Peterson told CNN affiliate last year. And if one of 10,000 people find my shortcut useful at all, I'll be glad. So, you know, the important thing of your version of events, because we've heard, you know, so many events like specifically with George Floyd to where the autopsy said, for example, that he died because of pre-existing conditions. You know, we've heard stories of policemen, like you mentioned in the um, uh, uh, Rashad Brooks case, to where the previous cop who had those previous issues, you know, said he may have tried to hide evidence or tried to, you know, um, uh, discredit, you know, some of his the inf- the information that you know, went into his prior convictions of, you know, excessive force, you know, so this is just in a way that you can automatically without fiddling with your phone, especially if a police is, you know, you're having an interaction with the police. Last thing you want to be doing is fiddling around with things. You know, you can quickly say, you know, hey, Siri, and say the command, and then it'll automatically run these automations that can give you a little bit piece of, you know, a little more uh, information, a little bit more ammunition when it comes to police interactions. Cool. Definitely timely for where we are right now. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's it for this week. Um, Definitely, I think on Monday, we will be... Is it Monday? Yes, it is Monday. We'll be guests on the Daily Tech News Show. I think they do it live, so it'll probably air. They'll probably have all the show notes and, I mean, all the links. And once we get the links and if we are okay with sharing them, we'll make sure to share them with you all. But, yeah, on Monday, which is uh, my daughter's birthday, we'll be on the Daily Tech News Show talking about all things tech with their crew. So definitely check that out. Like I said, we'll make sure to share out all the information as it relates to that. Yep, yep. And that's it for this week. Definitely download, rate, and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We are on all the social media websites, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at SnobOSCast. Also, feel free to leave us any comments and suggestions on our website, SnobOSCast.com, or hit us up in the email at SnobOSCast at gmail.com. I think that's it for this week. That's it. Peace. Bye.